0: Welcome to Eco Voices, your 2 go podcast for sustainability news, practices, and daily tips to be more eco-friendly. My name is Daniela Guerrero, and today we'll be discussing a very interesting article, which I would say it's very breaking news. Um, It's written by Mike Santos, who we have here on the call. Mike Santos is the Director of Community Outreach and Education for Just Transition Northwest Indiana. He is a native of Hammond, Indiana, where he also works as a middle school social studies teacher. Growing up in a sacrifice zone, he was motivated to get involved with environmental justice activism at a very young age. In his role with Just Transition Northwest Indiana, Mike is committing to fighting for a Just Transition for his community and all of the Northwest Indiana region. Hi, Mike.
1: Hey, Daniela. Uh, Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, yeah. So, I mean, you wrote this amazing article titled Warehouse Developers at It Again. Can you tell us a little bit about the article itself?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, basically, the article focuses on a current fight that's going on um, in the city of Hobart, Indiana right now, Um, which for context, uh, so Hobart is a city in uh, northern Lake County, Indiana, um, it's home to about 30,000 people, so a relatively small city, um, and actually what's, what's going on right now is uh, there's a proposal from this company called Becknell Industrial, um, and basically what they want to do is rezone um, this large ch- chunk of farmland um, at the center of the city um, in order to make way for a warehouse project. And um, this project has been met with um, opposition from um, widespread opposition from people in the community um, who have been uh, you know, speaking up at city council meetings and um, trying to organize against this project. Um, and so uh, with my blog uh, that I wrote for uh, Just Transition, um, basically we wanted to kind of just uh, get the word out about this fight um, and kind of help to spread awareness about it. Um, Because I think it's something that's kind of gone uh, sort of under the radar. I think a lot of people haven't really heard about what's going on. Um, But, yeah, so basically um, this company, Becknell Industrial, is wanting to come in and um, rezone this farmland to uh, make way for what's going to be this just massive uh, warehouse project that uh, people in Hobart think is going to really, you know, fundamentally change the character of their community um, and really just come with the whole – um, you know widespread array of different uh negative effects on their city from you know environmental economic um, and uh many other concerns um, so that's kind of the the broad overview of it um I don't know how how in depth you want me to go with it
0: <laughs> no I think that's a great introduction and then we can start i guess dissecting this issue because um, he has so many so many like little issues around it and many just um factors that really affect the community so I guess let's start with the environmental impact and how it is unknown in your article you say that when asked by a city official at a public hearing how many trucks would be entering and exiting the warehouse facility that they're um, proposing to create um, they were initially hesitant to give the exact number however after being pressed the company revealed that several hundred semi trucks would be entering the facility every day can you tell us a little bit why why this would be affecting the community?
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, yeah, that, that statistic you, you presented, um, that is really key to understanding um, you know, some of the concerns that people in the community have raised. Mm-hmm. So um, this is gonna be, um, again, a, a truly massive warehouse project that they're proposing. Um, and it would be, um, yeah, somewhere in the range of 200 to 400 uh, truck trips per day. Uh, going in and out of this facility. Um, and so this comes with a, no- a number of kind of negative effects on the community. So um, environmentally, of course, with all of those trucks going in and out, you know, every single day, we're going to have an increase in, you know, air pollution. Um, and, and this project, you have to keep in mind, is located um, near uh, several different residential uh, districts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's going to be... Um, basically these trucks going back and forth, you know, past people's houses every day. And, you know, these people are going to be breathing in um, all kinds of, you know, air pollution, um, you know, from these trucks. And Mm -hmm. so right now the number that they're saying is somewhere in the range of about uh, 400 truck trips per day. Um, But that's actually on kind of the the low end of the spectrum because um, that number could eventually increase to um, as many as 2100. Um, Because right now they're proposing to only rezone, um, it's about 157 acres, um, and it would include about uh, six different warehouse facilities. Um, But people in the community are concerned because um, that plot of land is part of a larger area of about 680 acres, which um, was recently rezoned uh, for light industrial usage. And so uh, people in the community are concerned that there could eventually be as many as uh, 25 of these structures uh, going into that area. So right now they're just proposing six, but uh, down the line it could be as many as 25. And in the event that that happens, that would be, um, again, increasing that number to uh, over 2,100 truck trips per day. So a huge amount of uh, air pollution from that. Um, you'd have, you know, runoff into uh, surrounding uh, ecosystems. So, um, for those familiar with Hobart, um, you got a number of different uh, natural features in the community. So, um, kind of at the, the center of Hobart is uh, Lake George. Um, it's beautiful, you know, kind of pristine kind of ecosystem, um, which is located very close to uh, where this proposed facility would be. And so you'd have, of course, the risk of uh, runoff from this facility going into uh, Lake George. Uh, There's also a river that goes through the area. It's called uh, Deep River. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's another ecosystem that would potentially be at risk. Um, And in addition, um, not too far from this facility is uh, the Indiana Dunes National Park. Um, And so that's, again, another ecosystem that would uh, potentially be endangered um, which, you know, is definitely, you know, something that, you know, I think we have to draw attention to because uh, for people here in the region, you know, the national park is kind of a, a source of pride. Um, you know, it was just yeah, it was a couple of years well. ago that it was designated a national park. So, you know, people here are really proud of that, and I think that, you know, we definitely want to protect that and, uh, you know, make sure we're not uh, destroying our, our natural areas here in the region.
0: Yeah, I never had the chance – i've never had the chance to go to indiana in general but um i was kind of like looking up the 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 area is itself and it is really the as you said like those rivers that you mentioned uh deep river and then also lake church these are really at the center of the community and then also the dunes national park um it's just very very at its core so it would definitely affect the community itself and its landscapes and i guess this is another area that you mentioned, but also, um, keeping up this transportation as they plan it with so many, uh, semi trucks or just trucks doing so many trips daily would soon also end on changing, um, the highways itself because it's a very residential complex, like a re- very residential area, um, mm. that would soon end up as, as you mentioned in your, in your article and like also potentially having to change, um, the highways, these streets itself, and then another question there is how is this gonna be afforded? How is this gonna be funded?
1: Right. Yeah, that, that's a great question, and so that's where we get to, uh, you know, some of the economic impacts of this project. Mm-hmm. So, um, as you put it very well, um, so Hobart is a primarily residential city. Um, you know, you do have a few kind of commercial districts and some light industrial, but for the most part, it is um, mostly zoned residential. And so where they're going to be putting this warehouse facility, um, the roads, of course, you know, as you said, are not built for this kind of constant stream of semi-truck traffic um, that we would see once it's completed. And so because of that, you know, the, there's going to have to be major um, infrastructural improvements put in place to uh, be able to make the warehouse viable. Um, and that's going to include, you know, strengthening the roads, you know, rebuilding bridges and stuff like that. Um, and that's not going to be cheap. Um, I, I believe the most recent estimate that I saw from the city was uh, somewhere in the range of $10 million is about what it's going to cost for them to um, to put into place the needed infrastructural improvements. And that's money that's going to be paid by the city of Hobart. You know, that's that that bill isn't being footed by uh, by Becknell, that's actually being paid by essentially the people of Hobart. And so that's where I think, you know, a lot of the, um, opposition to this project comes from is people are looking at these numbers and they're saying, you know, this company is coming into our community and, you know, they're looking to make these huge, massive profits. And, you know, we just kind of ordinary working class people in the community are being asked to to foot the bill for the infrastructure improvements that they need to be able to put this uh, warehouse um, into place. And so, yeah, I mean, people are angry about it and um, you know, I think that's where, um, again, a lot of the opposition is coming from. And there's actually another kind of related component to that. um, And this is kind of a separate story that kind of ties in. But um, so for those familiar with Hobart, um, uh, it's actually home to uh, South Lake Mall, um, which is kind of like the major, like I, I, I don't know, like a mall in Lake County. And um, there was actually a, a court case a couple of years ago where um, South Lake Mall actually took the city of Hobart to court, uh, claiming that they had overpaid on their uh, property taxes. And so it went to the court. Um, here in Lake County, the court actually ruled against South Lake Mall, but eventually the case went to the Indiana Supreme Court, which ruled in favor of South Lake Mall and found that basically they had overpaid on their property taxes over the course of several years. And as a result of that ruling, the city of Hobart is going to be required to actually pay back um, over $20 million to South Lake Mall. Um, and so, I mean, that's a huge that's a huge bill for the city of Hobart. I mean, that's you know far greater than their their annual operating budget. Um, I mean, I've seen some estimates that that's a bill that could take as many as 50 years to pay back. Um, and so, the point is that the city of Hobart is in a really bad uh, you know fi- financial situation right now, yeah. and unfortunately, you know the the proponents of this project are kind of using that. Um, as kind of a wedge to, you know, to try to get public officials to support this project. Um, So, for example, one argument that's been made is that, you know, we need to have this warehouse be built because once it starts, you know, generating income for the city, that's going to offset some of that tax burden that would otherwise fall on the people of Hobart as the city is, you know, trying to pay back that, $20 million dollar bill to uh, South Lake Mall and so it's a very complicated issue you know there's many different facets to it um, but basically what it comes down to is this company is just you know trying to come into this community and I mean again just make these massive profits and um, you know kind of just expecting the people of Hobart to uh, you know pay that bill
0: yeah another aspect that I wanted to mention uh, which you explained really well in this article is racist rhetoric really behind it um, and you were just mentioning how they're trying to convince people so you mentioned that proponents of the becknell project have employed these racist dog whistles to garner support for the plan in an effort to scare people into supporting the project uh, proponents have stated that if it is not approved the land the land that is being seeked um, then it will be rezoned and it will instead be Uh, utilize for Section 8 housing can you I guess explain um, a little bit how this rhetoric is
1: racist yeah for sure so this is another um, you know unfortunate aspect of of this discussion and um, yeah really just this disgusting rhetoric that we've seen Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean we've seen proponents of this project uh, basically come out and say that um, basically if Becknell doesn't get what they want so if this land isn't rezoned to make way for this warehouse project, that, you know, down the line, uh, the land is going to instead be used for Section 8 housing. And they're they're using this as – it's basically a dog whistle, right? So they're trying to, you know, basically draw – you know, push a wedge into the community. Um, and it's it's basically, you know, trying to spread these kind of racist and, you know, classist stereotypes, you know. Oh, you know, if this Section 8 housing comes in, you know, those, you know, those people, you know, quote unquote, are going to be, you know, coming into our community and basically they're trying to, you know, spread fear and insinuate that, you know, if this housing comes in, you know, we're going to see, you know, rising crime rates and all that. I mean, this is just very again, just disgusting, you know, racist, classist rhetoric that I mean, really has no place in, in public discourse. But, yeah. you know, again, we're we're seeing proponents of this project, um, you know, making that argument and, you know, basically trying to, to win over the people of Hobart, you know, using fear and, uh, you know, trying to turn people against each other, which I think is just really sad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that was one of the things that really um, stood out to me. Um, and then just how it's very public and it's very, like, Shameless how they really make this argument. Um, yeah, that, that's just so sad. But um, I also wanted to discuss, and I guess um, the, one of the most important sections is um, the next steps and what is the current status of this project.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, the, the current status of the project right now, um, so it's been, it's been approved by the City Planning Commission, and so at this point, it just needs to be signed off on by the city council. Um, they actually just met, um, I believe it was last week, and they um, they did their first reading of it. and it did unfortunately pass um, four to three. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, there's going to be a second reading, however, at the next city council meeting. Um, and that really, I think is going to be kind of our last shot at um, you know bringing this project to a halt. Um, that's going to be kind of the, the final vote on it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, these next couple weeks here are really kind of the um, the most important for the campaign. Um, so uh, local uh, activists in the area have been organizing a number of uh, different efforts. Um, so people in the community have been going out door to door. They've actually got a petition uh, that they're circulating yeah. um, calling for the city to uh, reject the rezone proposal, um, and that petition, as of right now, um, has over 1,600 signatures, which uh, coincidentally is actually more—that's more signatures than some of the city council members got votes in the last mm-hmm. municipal election. So, um, if that tells you anything about, you know, where the community stands on this, um, you know, clearly, uh, you know, widespread opposition, and you know, very obvious that. You know, uh, most of Hobart is, is not on board with this. Um, so, yeah, we, there's, there's the petition that's going around. Um, you can find that online. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're encur- you know, encouraging folks to uh, sign that and, you know, help to uh, share it on social media. Um, if you're so inclined, um, you know, they can definitely use help uh, going out door to door, canvassing and talking to folks in the community. Really, just anything that folks can do, whether it's canvassing, you know, social media, or, you know, just, you know, talking to your neighbors, um, really anything to get the word out, um, you know, is going to be really uh, beneficial. Also, I would say, um, you know, from talking to uh, members of the community, um, uh, I would say that reaching out to the local elected officials uh, would be really important right now. Um, so as I mentioned, the city council is going to have this final vote, um, at their next meeting, uh, in a couple weeks here. So, um, yeah, you know, if you live in the city, just reaching out to your city council member, um, you know, really encouraging them to, uh, vote against this project. And I mean, frankly, just, you know, stand with their constituents and, and do the right thing. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, many, uh, many different ways that, uh, folks can get involved.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, if you're listening to this, uh, please, if you do feel so inclined, um, help me in any way. The petition is titled, We Oppose Rezoning Parcels South of 60, 61st <laughs> Avenue and East of Colorado in Hobart 2M-1. Um, that's in change.org. And then we'll have it linked here in the podcast once it's um, out there in all podcast listening platform, so please make sure to sign that um and just help in any way i think a big aspect is definitely sharing it in social media um and as you mentioned mike definitely reaching out to to your elected officials um but yeah the for reference the the first reading was on wednesday as you said it was last week uh on wednesday june 1st and then a final reading is expected on the issue uh to be two weeks from the from june 1st so it's definitely coming up um so i guess we're like in crunch time for sure is there anything else mike you would like to get out there regarding this this issue
1: um no yeah that uh yeah that that basically sums it up i really appreciate you having me on Daniela, and Yeah, just, again, you know, really encourage folks to, um, you know, if if this is an issue that really moves you or, you know, if you're someone that lives in in the city of Hobart, um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, take action, um, you know, make your voice heard. And, um, yeah, you know, we just – we got a couple weeks here, so we still have the opportunity to uh, stop this project. But, you know, it's not going to be easy. It's, uh, you know, we're we're up against this company that has a lot of, you know, financial resources and political capital. So um, it's not going to be an easy fight, but um, the only way we're going to stop this thing is, um, you know, from the bottom up, um, you know, just good old fashioned uh, grassroots organizing. So um, yeah, every little bit helps. Um, Yeah, whether it's social media, you know, uh, signing and sharing the petition or again, even just, uh, you know, talking to your neighbor or uh, emailing your city council person, Um, whatever you can do helps. So yeah, I would just uh, conclude by saying that um, you know every every uh, every contribution um, of of time and effort will be um, really important in uh, helping us to stop this project.
0: Absolutely, and before I let you go, it is our little tradition here at Eco Voices to ask all of our guests a final question. So. Our final question is, you as a sustainability advocate and someone that is really on the industry and just putting yourself out there all the time, uh, if you had one bit of advice for students and future climate action leaders, what would you tell them? It could be about really anything, just any type of advice.
1: Um, Yeah, in in terms of advice for uh, students, I would just say... um, Well, and I would direct this specifically at you know those students that are uh, looking to get involved in in activism of one uh, sort or another. Um, I would just say that um, you know we got a lot of a lot of different fights going on right now, Um, and you know it can be demoralizing at times. You know we're uh, the nature of grassroots activism is that we're you know often I mean always going up against these big forces that have a lot of, you know, power and influence. And um, at, t- at times it can be demoralizing because, you know, it seems like, you know, we, we're, we're faced with a lot of defeats and setbacks. And um, and so I would just uh, encourage, you know, young people that are going into activism, um, whatever type it is, you know, just, uh, you know, stay confident, you know, just be be firm in your beliefs and convictions and, you know, just, uh... always you know try to do the right thing and uh... just know that you know if we can get enough people together you know we can uh... you know, really bring about uh... major you know significant change in the world so um it always it always starts from the ground up so um even if it seems like your activism is you know um being met with a lot of defeats and setbacks uh... you know just keep going and uh... keep fighting the good fight
0: i agree those are very wise words Please don't forget to check um, Mike's blog. Um, it, you can find it in Just Transition, Just Transition Northwest Indiana's website, which is jtnwi.org. And then you're going to find it under news. And Mike, thank you so much for being here with us today. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I, I had a great time.
0: Thank you.